For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And a good morning, Eagle fans. We are here to talk about the 1-0 Philadelphia, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on Birds. 365, you got your resident Mac and Mac guys back together again. John McMullen has made it back safely from Atlanta. Uh, it took a while getting out of there yesterday, huh, JM? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, my flight left on time. I just got a late flight because I had to do Birds 365 in the morning, and then the two in-between flights were booked and packed, so I had to sit around till about uh, 6 at night. But it happens. What can yeah. you do? But you did made it back safe and had sound good to have you here this morning. And uh, listening to Nick Sirianni yesterday, it is he did his usual uh, day after media stuff. Uh, again, I'm get, I'm almost getting tired of giving this guy credit, but uh, when he earns it, he deserves it. He's got to get it. He handled it uh, yesterday with a plum too. Didn't overstate. Didn't get overly reactive to it. I don't want to say it was just like second nature because it's it's. Hasn't even gotten to his second all-time game, but he took everything in stride, handled all the questions as well, looked like business as usual. And the way that they played in game number one, if that's business as usual, we're in for a pretty damn good season, Johnny Mac. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. I think this is a much bigger test this week coming up, even though San Francisco is coming in the Lincoln Financial Field, because we know that's a – we don't know how good, but that's a solid team. They might be a little bit above average. They might be a, a, a really good team if they figure out the quarterback position. But, um, you know, they're they're solid. You, you And you didn't know that about Atlanta. It looks like Atlanta might be really bad. But we don't know. I think this will be a, a better sort of test temperature taking for the Eagles, and we'll see how they handle that. It's not always going to be as easy as it was in Atlanta. But, yeah, I love the way he handled the stuff. You know, I look for little things. And when we was talking about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I thought, okay, this guy gets it. Because, you know, everybody's given J.J. Laws for his blocking. He was a great blocker, you know. But he played 15, 16 snaps. He started the game. Uh, they went bubble screens. They did it for a reason. They had him out there for a reason. Uh, because he can block. And it worked uh, early in the game. It got Jalen Hurt some confidence on those short you know, bubble screens, and I think that's important with a young quarterback. But what he said about J.J., I thought was, look, at times we got to get him the ball because now this is on film. So you can't just signal to the defense, okay, 19's out there. They're going to run a bubble, bubble screen. screen. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, it sounds simple. <laughs> and I joked because Nick was talking about, Hey, don't get in third and longs in, in the red zone. That's pretty simple. But you'd be surprised how many coaches don't think like that. So I thought the fact that he brought that up and said, look, we're going to have to put on film. We're willing to give J.J. the football. I thought that was good. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, your your favorite website and mine, wink, wink, nod, nod, uh, Pro Football Focus, which – 
I times best blocker. I, yeah, is that where you're going? Best blocker, best wide receiver blocker. Yeah. Right. As as uh, even though I get on their case from time to time because they <laughs> come out with different rankings and ratings that I just don't comprehend as a football fan. Uh, but some, certain times their their uh, analysis, their analytics match up exactly what I see with uh, my own two eyes as a longtime football fan. Uh, they ranked each of the Eagles players' performance uh, as doing their job and gave him a grade. He was actually the fourth-ranked offensive Eagle player on the day. Uh, number one was, of course, Jalen Hurts. Number two was Goddard. Number three was Devonta Smith. The fourth-ranked Eagle offensive player was Jaydaw, who didn't catch anything, didn't score any touchdowns like several of his brethren, but they do certainly take into account what your job is on any given play. So he must have been really good at the blocking aspect of the game because he was their fourth-ranked offensive player as per pro football focus. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was really good at what they asked him to do. Um, so, you know, again, when you get into pro football grades, you know, that's another discussion. Obviously, very small sample size. I don't know how meaningful it is other than – he, he accomplished more often than not what he was asked to do in the game. That's kind of what the grade is for pro football focus. So for what he was asked to do, he, he did a good job at it. And I think that's fair. I think they're right. Um, you know, how meaningful I think fans get caught up. How can JJ be better than blah, 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 who has nine catches and two touchdowns somewhere else? Well, because that, that's not what the grade is. That's not what they're doing, but it gets lost in all that context. But again, we could do 15 hours on that. The point is Nick Sirianni is realizing, you know, he, he said this constantly over the summer, Jody. We have an advantage early in the season. People don't know what we're going to do. Now they have a little bit of taste of what you're going to do. It starts now. Now the adjustments start. Now San Francisco, a good team, good coach, really good head coach. Um, obviously they lost their defensive coordinator, but uh, they've been solid for a number of years now. So they're going to watch that film. They're going to say, oh, look what they're doing. And it becomes more difficult and you have to adjust back. That's what Chip Kelly couldn't do well. At least Nick Sirianni's already verbalizing. He already understands. I can't just do this every game. I got to mix things up because people are going to adjust to me. I think that's a great sign. I really do. And we'll see how much adjusting he has to do here in uh, week number two against San Francisco. Uh, but I think your point is an excellent one. And let me stretch it. The fact that Nick Sirianni believes, and he stated, he's on the record, that we got a little bit of an advantage here. We're going to take advantage of it. Nobody knows what the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Sirianni as their play caller are going to be including us Eagle fans who didn't know what Nick Sirianni's play calling was going to look like. Pretty impressed with the first glance there, Coach. Nice job. Um, but if you say that the Eagles had an advantage coming into this game because the Atlanta Falcons, the only one that mattered in week one, didn't necessarily know what Nick was going to roll out there. Well, the Atlanta Falcons were supposed to have that same edge over the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I want, yeah, Arthur, I want to talk about this, Jody. I want to talk about this. Arthur Smith coming in. Uh, yeah, the fact they can go back and look at the Titans tape, but they had Derrick Henry, so you didn't know if he was going to do it the same way. You doubted it coming in here with Atlanta. 
Jonathan Gannon figured out all the answers after the first couple of drives when the Falcons moved the ball down the field, stalled in the red zone, had to settle for field goals. Eagle defense came up big in those situations after they kind of got shredded coming down the field. And then they throw a shutout from there on in. They gave up like 140 yards on the first three possessions and only 70 yards the entire rest of the game. Well, that same advantage Atlanta should have had turned out to be zippity doo as far as an advantage goes because of Jonathan Gannon's defense. Yeah, man. I go back to 2016. I got a 2016 feel from this game, and, and, and this is what I mean, Jody. Back in 2016, no matter what the Eagles say, revisionist history, Eagles fans forget, the Eagles wanted to hire Adam Gase to be their head coach, and uh, there was sort of a – uh, butting of the heads and Adam Gase, who was the hot candidate at the time, as hard as that is to believe right now, he was the guy that everybody wanted at that time in the NFL. And he wanted 53 man roster control. The Eagles had just come off Chip Kelly. They weren't going to give that. That was sort of the loggerheads. And, you know, Adam got, you know, the job in Miami, which is, you know, Florida, nice weather, good tax situation was going to be difficult to beat anyway. And it was a disaster there. And as you know, he was even more of a disaster. How did he get his second job after what happened in Miami? So the Eagles wanted to hire him. And when they couldn't get him, they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo. And the, the, the story is Ben McAdoo was on the New Jersey turnpike when the Giants got him to turn around and said, no, we're going to keep you. Ben McAdoo, not Bob McAdoo, Ben McAdoo, the Eagles wanted to hire to be their head coach. And depending on who you believe, by the way, number three was Tom Coughlin before they ever got to Doug Peterson. Now, this time around, Arthur Smith was Adam Gaze. Everybody wanted him. The Eagles wanted him, but they were too late to the party because they took too long to decide on Doug Peterson. Right. They wanted him. Now, there was a little bit of Robert Sallett. Again, now you're your guy now. He was also a hot candidate. But typically, the offensive guy gets a little bit more tint than the defensive guy. But nonetheless, he was one of the hot candidates. He was the guy. He was what everybody wanted. And he did this, and he saved Ryan Tannehill, uh, what he does with Derrick Henry. And the Eagles, of course, interview number 10, Nick Sirianni. Nobody knows who he is. People in the league did. But, you know, casual fans I'm talking about. Comes out day one on the podium. And, by the way, he used this on Saturday night when he was talking to his team. Uh, Embarrasses himself to a number of national uh, writers. Overmatched. Can't do it. Who's this joke? Who's this Rob Rock cheerleader guy? And he embarrassed, clowned, dare I say, the hot candidate that everybody wanted who looked like a disaster to me, Jody, Arthur Smith. I mean, after he got off script, you know, NFL coaches script the first 15 plays generally, although that's a little bit overblown. You usually get off script on the on the first third down. But nonetheless, I'm sitting there. Calvin Ridley looks great on that first drive. Three targets, three receptions. Eagles can't do anything with them. Then they get bogged down the red zone like they always do. And I got to tell you, he didn't touch the football again in the first half. Not only didn't he touch it, they didn't throw it to him. 
And I had to sit and talk to a couple of writers. I said, did Ridley get hurt? Did I miss something? <laughs> he didn't go back to him. I, I, the, these coaches, man. So that's what I'm so excited about Nick Sirianni. Everything had a purpose. It wasn't perfect. I thought he was a little bit too late getting in plays at times, but that's sort of a rookie head coaching thing. You got to get used to it. it. It just jumps on up on you so quickly, especially the fourth down plays. I thought they got him in too late. Um, but man, he just seems to get it. And you got these coaches. There's a lot of it's. It, I don't think you win a lot of games as a head coach in this league, but you can lose a lot. You can lose a lot of games. And I, I, I'm really excited about Nick Sirianni. And you know, I'm a negative guy. People say I'm not. I'm really excited about him because he verbalizes what you have to do. And it might seem simple, but so many of these guys don't don't do it. Don't don't see what the forest for the trees. And and we'll see. You know, Arthur Smith might turn things around, but that was a bad debut. That was as bad a debut as you can get. Nick was as good as a debut as you can get. Right. You did tell of two coaches and one couldn't have been better, one couldn't have been worse. A uh, couple of things. Uh being the intrepid eagle reporter that you are, uh, do you know exactly which New Jersey Turnpike rest stop. That I think ben it was McAdoo. Molly Pitcher. Was it Molly Pitcher? <laughs> I had heard Joyce Gilmer, but uh, <laughs> you probably know better than I. It may have even been Richard Stockton. Uh, but yeah, thank By you. By the way, much. true story. The Eagles had a welcome basket ready for Ben McAdoo. Really? In the lobby of the Novacare Company. True story. I wonder who got that welcome ba- basket because we know uh, McAdoo didn't was get it. It wasn't me. He did the 180 and went back to New Jersey. And yes, Eagle fans should be thankful for it because he was terrible up there in new york uh here's one and and again back to nitpicking and i i'm saying this can do do after that week one well i'm gonna try um i'm saying it because i believe it and we'll see how it plays out it kind of plays into something that you said if they're again in the nitpicking realm was one thing that the eagles didn't do offensively on sunday was at times get the play in quite quickly enough we were told before the season started, and we don't have the headsets on, so we just have to take the coaching staff at their word, that Nick was going to call the plays. He was going to relay them to Shane Steichen, who then was going to call them in to uh, the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Is that really necessary? And it does seem to me at least somewhat time-consuming. If one of the few things that you can say didn't work out 100% perfectly game one, it was, yeah, a couple times it seemed like the play was getting in late. Is that going to be an issue over the course of the year? I'm not even sure. Is it just to get more people involved to make Shane Steichen feel good about himself because he's actually calling in the plays? If it's the head coach's call on the play, why can't he send it directly into the quarterback? It's a good question. I might. Um, we're going to have Shane Steichen uh, later this morning. Uh, it's Zoom because uh, we're not going down to the facility today. But if I get in there, I'll ask him that question. I'll try to ask Nick that question on Wednesday. That's a good question, Jody. Yeah, yeah it, it does seem uh, a little bit unnecessary. Uh, 
So maybe I'll ask about the communication and, and how it worked out. And they're going to say, we're great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you can see, just put. Might, might, be, the wrong, might be the wrong week to ask it. You might, yeah. might put that one in your back pocket for yeah. next week. Might, it doesn't might. go quite as well against San Francisco's defense this week. There's a, there's a couple things I said. Just put a little note there. And that's probably one of them. Uh, put a little notation. Just put it in the back of your mind. Because you know you're going to have hiccups. The other is run support, run defense, uh, and and especially coming up against San Francisco. San Francisco is the standard when it comes to the running games in the NFL, as far as how they uh, their their philosophy, their structure, what they teach. Um, it, it's the most complicated rushing attack in the NFL, so that's going to be a good test uh, for this team. Because if you go back to the preseason, uh, they had a difficulty stopping the run. First half, first quarter, really difficult trying to stop the run. And then you just look at the players. They don't have Jeremiah Trotters, a linebacker, who can just stop the run. So those are the couple things I just stick in, a, in your back pocket and say, okay, this, this has got to improve if the Eagles are going to be a good football team. Since it seemed you didn't know uh, when I ran off the – uh, pro football focus grades for the Eagles victory game one. Uh, I'll I'll double back here. Uh, I gave you the top four offensive players: Hertz, Goddard, Devontae, Jajaw for his blocking capabilities. Fourth graded Eagle on offense. Give me the top four on defense off the top of your head. Well, Javon Hargrave. Numero uno, and far and away, you talk about a blowout win. He actually had the highest grade. His grade on defense was higher than Jalen Hurts' grade on offense, an 89.4. Yeah, I mean. Oh, excuse me, a 92.9, my bad. He was dominant. He was dominant. Uh, You got to look at the the Jeff Sweat was really good. Number two, Dan McMullen, you're good. Very good. He was second. Pretty big drop off to 80.0. Who do you think was number three? Uh... Well, uh, if you get Brandon, this one right, I know I know you're looking it up. Uh, no, I was looking at a text. Uh, Brandon was really good. I'm gonna go Brandon Graham. No, no, like number five or six. Um, I'm trying to think of back seven players. I thought Darius was pretty good. He was number four. Very good. Um, uh, I don't think. Uh, they probably – I thought Anthony Harris was good, but they probably didn't, knowing how they do things. Um, uh, yeah, I, Avante missed some tackles, but he played pretty well. Ding, um, ding, 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 ding. Number yes. three. There's no Avante way. Maddox, which you and I talked about yesterday when we had you on as a guest on your show. Um, I thought he played really well. Yeah, he whiffed on two tackles. Okay, he didn't bring the guy to the ground when he should have. He had a legit shot at him, and he couldn't bring him down. But he was on pits, Mister Five Foot Ten Avante Maddox against Mister Six Foot Five Pitts, who did next to nothing all day. Now you can also get on Arthur Smith's case. Did they do enough? Did they uh, get him in position to make plays? Maybe Matt. Uh, Ryan didn't feel comfortable enough throwing the ball to him yet, but he's another one. After they threw it so early to Ridley, and then he just disappeared. After they went from Ridley, they went to Pitts, and then he just disappeared from their offense. I thought Maddox was challenged throughout. It seemed to me like he drew him on every single play that he went out for a pass. 
I thought Avante Maddox did a really nice job, uh, despite the fact that John McMullen and others got on his case because he missed a couple tackles. Well, I thought missed tackles was a big thing early in the game, obviously. Again, we're nitpicking. I said, you blow somebody out, you're looking for things. And that's what coaches do. I mean, they're looking things to teaching points, so to speak. You know, you don't want to blow smoke everybody up. Everybody's, you know what, you want to say, all right, guys, get back to work. There's still stuff to work on. I thought those two missed tackles were pretty bad, pretty flagrant. But when I rewatched the game, he did he played pretty well overall. I think Darius had a missed tackle as well, but played uh, pretty well overall. Um, I mean, everybody played pretty well overall. So it's tough to, you know, the offensive line. I, I imagine they didn't grade the offensive line highly because of all the penalties, I would imagine. I mean, right. you know, they dominated. When the, when they when there wasn't a yellow flag on the ground, they dominated. But I just know how they do things, and that's why it's kind of unfair their system. Like the quarterbacks, when quarterbacks play well, they're always this high level because you know I, I mean there's no holding calls and uh, <laughs> knocking you down a quarterback. Um, so you, you put a. a it's you take it with a grain of salt is what I'm trying to say. I mean, the offensive line was great. I didn't mention them because too many penalties and I know right. they're going to grade them down. And that's exactly the way the grade shook out. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac birds, three sixty five guys. Guest time. First up today. One of our favorites does a great job covering the Eagles day in and day out for bleeding green nation. BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears the live post game show is powered by IBEW Local 98 Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Buddies on Birds 365, Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. We've got a third participant, one of our favorite guests here on Birds 365. You should be reading them all the time on his Eagles website, Bleeding Green Nation. It's BLG Brendan Lee Gouton with us. BLG, you've been doing this for a while now. As good an opener <laughs> as you can remember in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty encouraging for a team that, you know, had a lot of uh, question marks heading into the season. I don't think you could have asked for much of a better start. Yeah, I mean, you got to really nitpick. But that's what we got to do, BLG. We got to nitpick. We got to come up with something. If you're, if you're head coach Nick Sirianni, and I think this is as good a debut as you can possibly have hoped for, that was my first question to him. I said, could this have gone better? And... As you're a coach, you got to go back and you got to keep these guys on on you know on mission, so to speak. And how do you do that? What do you point to and say, "We got to clean this up. We got to clean this up." Couple missed tackles, penalties, anything else? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw that video come out uh, from the locker room, and we've seen Nick Sirianni talk about it in the press conferences. The dog mentality that he's really big on, apparently, and, yeah. and being hungry and everything. And I think you highlighted some of the things there. The penalties were crazy. You know, there's just so many. I think they had, what, 11 or so or more than that. Uh, just 26 total. Oh, yeah. Both teams. Yeah. It was crazy. And just too much pre-snap stuff, too. You know, a lot of that can just be cleaned up. So, you know, obviously some of that. And, you know, look, you know, they didn't play a lot in the preseason. Maybe this is some of that kind of like figuring out and shaking off that rust and something you can kind of work through there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's – we we do have to nitpick because that's what we do, but like there just there isn't a whole lot to to really be concerned about just from that week one showing itself, right? And even if you can attribute those pre snap penalties to the fact that they didn't get a lot of uh, work in as a unit in preseason games, I think you got to say uh, their their overall use of their time since they reported to camp. While we may have sat here and questioned it and said, are they doing enough? Are they doing enough? Are they doing enough? The results were the results week one, not only with their success on the field, but again, no injuries. They didn't have major injuries going in, and they got none coming out, as a matter of fact. So uh, the old phrase of sometimes uh, less is more seemed to work perfectly for the Eagles in this preseason. Absolutely. And on the injury 
uh, point, I would say, you know, looking at the other side, and I, and I think the Falcons are clearly bad, to be, to be clear here, but I mean, they didn't have any players on their 53-man roster who were even on the final injury report, so they were yeah. at full health, and the Eagles still whooped them. I think that's kind of another kind of feather you can put in the Eagles' cap there, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, staying healthy, obviously key, and then staying healthy in this game, didn't suffer any too many major injuries is a whole other reason to to not only feel encouraged about how they performed, but how they're they're moving here forward. And uh, yeah, so I think you can say uh, the approach so far, so good. Okay, well, let's start with some of the good stuff, Brandon. It's got to start with the quarterback. So I think in, in the offseason, we were all talking about 52%, 52%, 52%. Then after week one, we're at 77%. It's pretty amazing when you have a coach trying to take it advantage of the strengths of the quarterback. You start with bubble screen, bubble screen. He didn't throw the football down the field a lot, but once you get those early completions, you have more confidence. And when he does throw it down the field to Devontae Smith, all of a sudden touchdown, a little bit underthrown to Zach Ertz, but you get a completion down the field. How impressive was just the use of Jalen Hurts and what he does well to you? Yeah, underthrown to the point where it was actually yeah, incomplete. The, the Eagles were like, lucky to get away with that. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I believe Hertz was eight of nine on throws over ten yards. Now, again, those throws over ten yards didn't really go a whole lot over ten yards yeah. throughout the game. Uh, he had the lowest average intended air yards per NFL Next Gen stats from Week One. So, you know, that's something we're going to have to see moving forward. You're not just going to be able to probably throw the ball as short as he did throughout the entire season like that. You're going to have to see him air it out. And you know, look, we have seen Jalen Hurts air it out in a small sample size in the past. So it's certainly something I think believe he's capable of doing, uh, at least when it comes to deep throws. But even just kind of working the intermediate areas of the field more, we're going to have to see that over time. And that's really going to be a question mark uh, when it comes to his accuracy. You know, But, but to start out, uh, you have to give the coaching staff a ton of credit for scheming up a lot of easy throws or makeable throws or playing to Jalen Hurts' strengths. And I thought Jalen Hurts did a lot of good things with those throws. I mean, you look at that screen pass to – Jalen Rager on the touchdown. I mean, he stood in there and he took a big hit. He, I mean, he basically threw that pass to Rager on target as someone was grabbing his legs and someone's taking him down. So I thought that was really impressive. I thought the touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard when Goddard wasn't even uncovered and and having that communication and trust in him to kind of to throw that ball to him there uh, was really impressive. That whole two-minute drill, honestly, was just a really, really eye-opening kind of experience and really important moment for him and a turning point in the game to go up two possessions before halftime there. So, uh, yeah, even though he didn't necessarily attempt the most difficult throws, uh, he made some really good ones. That is one thing that we as fans, media members and Eagle fans, love to do, and I'm right along with everybody else on that, is how you run that two-minute drill because it uh, really accentuates the relationship between the play calling and the quarterback. you got to be able to do it right. you got to be able to see what you need to see. you got to be able to manage clock, the added uh, challenge of that, and use of timeouts and the like. If that was their first major test of the year, I got to give him an A plus for it because not only did they make the play on the touchdown, the Goddard, they had already scored a touchdown, which got called back because Lane Johnson is downfield. So you you do what you got to do, and then they go, no, try it again, and to deliver. I thought that was the highlight just for the entire game. If you had to pick out one aspect that was impressive, it was the way that Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni as quarterback and play caller navigated that possession. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, you even saw Sirianni give Hertz credit for some plays that may have not been the best calls or whatever, but Hertz kind of, you know, using his mobility to get out of some bad situations and really, you know, extend the drive himself. And that's something, you know, John and I saw in training camp too with Jalen Hurts running some of those two minute drills. I think of one, I guess the one against the Jets in the final practice, like he was using his mobility to, to move the chains when something isn't there, pick up a first down. And that's big just to be able to do that when the play isn't perfect to be able to create yourself. Uh, there's there's a lot of value in that, and you saw it on that drive. Uh, and two rookie touchdowns, Brandon. We got to talk about the rookies, I think, because that's the first time since at least 1950. I think John Ganoda of the Eagles went back uh, when two rookies scored a touchdown in the opener. Um, Devontae Smith, I thought, was great, and it you know he's such Nate Tice put up. I don't know if you saw it. He put up a, a tweet today about Devontae Smith calling out a corner blitz, um, his football IQ is even more impressive than his talent, I think. And that's a testament to Nick Saban. But the fact the Eagles have him as a player. And then Kenny Gainwell, you mentioned the Jets. That was the first time you really saw the, the Eagles were trying to see if Kenny Gainwell was up to speed to be that third down back, to be that two-minute offense back, to be that guy who could be on the field, catch the football in those types of situations. How impressed were you with those two rookies, playmakers specifically? Yeah, on the Devontae point, I remember I think it was Bruce Feldman who had kind of pointed out like a pre-draft scouting report about how um, people just kind of noticed Devontae Smith on the sidelines at Alabama was like calling out what the defense was running. Like you said, he kind of has such a high level. Like that's a big reason why I felt like the Eagles had to draft him. It's not just that he's talented. Like this guy really just knows football. He knows how to play the position. He's so smart and talented and so smooth, very effortless when he's out there. Uh, incredible. Um, really encouraging debut from him. Obviously led the team in targets and receptions. I think he's going to have a really big year. I feel very confident about that. I think he's only going to get better with more experience. And Kenny Gainwell, uh, I'm kind of surprised he's here just from the standpoint of he didn't have the best start to camp. I thought he kind of, not a terrible start, but a slower one. And he really came on towards the end, though, and he kind of justified that uh, hype that everyone was very excited that was surrounding him uh, after he was drafted when the Eagles took him and thought he was a steal. And I think he's a nice, really, you know, number two complimentary piece. I mean, it's kind of crazy that you have Miles Sanders here and everyone, you know, was really excited about Miles Sanders. And I thought he had a good game, but like he's already been supplanted as the two minute uh, <laughs> drill back. Yeah. Like that's pretty crazy for a rookie to yeah. kind of just come in, you know, a day three pick a guy who didn't play football last year to come in and instantly take that role and look natural in it. So uh, it's a big testament to Kenny Gainwell that he's already been able to kind of step up into that role. Do you think that's going to stay or do you think that's one of the Nick Sirianni don't want to show everything, keep the opposition off balance. Although I'm in the moment of trying to win game one. I know I've got, Week two and week three and week four. Do you think Gamewell's going to be there two minutes back for the entire year? I mean, we could, you know, I don't know if it's the entire year, always 100% of the time. But I think for now, yeah, because I think there's a trust in him. I think he's a better proven receiving running back, especially uh, with the concerns coming out of mile, uh, coming out of training camp about Miles Sanders with the drops and everything. And now Sanders did good again in the first game. So maybe as he continues to kind of prove that he can get back on track as a pass catcher, then maybe you see him more of a rotation involved in there or something. But uh, for now, I think Gainwell should be the guy uh, until he proves he shouldn't be. 
All right, let's shift to the other side of the ball, Brandon, because I want to talk about this defense. It didn't look good early, but at the end of the game, you look up and you see 260 yards or so of offense for the Falcons. They didn't let them in the end zone six points. That's pretty good in the modern NFL against anybody. That Those numbers hold up. This is going to be the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Defensive line was great. Back seven, if we get back to that nitpicking, there's some nits to pick. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, especially with San Francisco coming in, their reputation for running the football. Can this team stop the run against a good football team? I mean, they're going to be put to the test, like you said, this weekend. Uh, Eric Wilson had four missed tackles, he had, which is not like new. Him, yeah, I believe he yeah. had 17 last year, yeah. so that's a really big concern that you're going to continue to see moving forward. I mean, maybe you can chalk, you know, we're talking about nitpicking earlier with the pre snap penalties and everything. Maybe you can chalk up some of the mistackling to, you know, not having the full preseason experience and kind of still getting up to speed on that front. But I also think they just don't have some, or they they do have some not great tacklers on their defense, so that's going to be I think somewhat of an issue. But I think you know. In today's NFL, where it's all about passing, I think the Eagles are kind of okay with, I mean, obviously they want to stop the run as much as they can, but if they're going to allow some running plays, I don't think that's the end of the world for them. I mean, ultimately, they didn't allow any plays over 20 yards, which is crazy, and I believe for Shilkapati, it was like the only NFL team to do that in week one. So I think they're kind of um, like funneling that. I think they're okay that they'll let teams, not necessarily again, uh, run all over them, but I think they can they can limit the damage there as long as they're not big plays. Uh, if you get down to the red zone, you're able to make stops there. I think you can live with that. Um, I think this defensive line obviously is going to be stout enough to stop that. Sometimes you're going to force some three and outs. I don't think you're just going to get consistently gassed all game long, but I do think it, you know, it could pop up from time to time as an issue. I don't know about you, BLG, but I had to go this morning to a couple of my uh, draft uh, guides, which I keep handy here at all times. As I do birds 365, I've right to my right. Elijah Mitchell. I really don't remember talking about him. You know, I take the draft. Very seriously, I got my guys like Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible, who I talk to all the time. I don't remember this kid from Louisiana. And he was a sixth-round pick after Kenny Gainwell's pick. And uh, they turned to him this past week with uh, Moser going out as early in the game as he did. And he puts up 104 yards in his NFL debut. Uh, I think we all need to do a little studying up on Elijah Mitchell because yeah, he's going to be the guy that the Eagles are challenged to have to stop on the ground come Sunday. Yeah, I think I had the Eagles taking him. And like uh, I think the only mock draft that I did leading up to the draft, or if I didn't have him, uh, I, I had him as one of the guys I kind of liked as a, a late day three guy. I mean, I think part of his production here is that he's in a Kyle Shanahan offense and Kyle yeah. Shanahan typically finds a way to get the most out of running backs, especially ones who aren't necessarily high picks. Um, So I think that's part of it. Uh, Obviously a good week one debut for him. Wasn't a factor as a pass catcher and really wasn't necessarily a whole lot in college, you know, so that might limit his value a little bit, you know, kind of just more of a pure runner. Um, So that's something to watch. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think this defense obviously is going to be tested again. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan saw that tape of the Falcons running on the Eagles early on, and we'll be trying to do the same this weekend. 
Yeah, it was interesting. Bob Lang of the Eagles was talking to us because he came back from the 49ers. He was talking to us about Raheem Mostert, who unfortunately mm. got injured. Raheem was here. Raheem had got cut like a hundred times. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Jets and cut all of him a sudden, too. Yeah, and all of a sudden, he gets out to San Francisco and he looks like a star in that rushing attack. It, it It's pretty amazing. And it goes back to Kyle's dad in Denver. And you remember... Alex Gibbs and what the Broncos were able to do. It, it kind of kept Terrell Davis out of the Hall of Fame for at least a little bit because people were saying, well, anybody can rush for a thousand yards in Denver. Same thing in San Francisco. They turned every running back in into an effective running back because of that rushing scheme. So I do think we're going to get a better sort of temperature taking this week, win or lose. I'm not in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but the 49ers, we know they're a good football team. Do we now know the Eagles, BLG, are a good football team? Or is it too early? I don't think – yeah, I don't I don't think we know that they're a good football team. I think we know that they're, they're not an awful football team. I think we've learned that much. I think they've at least earned the right to that. Um, it's really interesting this week because I think the 49ers are good, but I also – if, if you ever want to use the term moral loss, I feel like they kind of suffered one. Like, you know, to be up 38 to 10 like they were yeah. and let the Lions yeah. back into it. And, you know, Detroit had the ball, I believe, I forget the yard line, but I think in the 20s, we you know, down eight points, had a chance to tie the game at the end of the game. And uh, and also a big reason for that comeback for Detroit was that the 49ers' best defensive back by far, Jason Verrett, got hurt. He's out for the year. And you saw Jared Goff have a much better passing split once he left the game. So I think, you know, there's some concerns there. Um, so I think the 49ers are good, but I think, you know, I don't think they're perfect by any means. So uh, I don't think the Eagles, you know, I think it's reasonable that the Eagles are underdogs in this game, given uh, there's still much for the Eagles to prove. It's just one week. You know, you could look back at some of the week one scores from last year and see some weird things. I think that's what, like one of the only times the Jaguars won last year. It was like in yeah. week one. So, so yeah. there's some weird we things that time, happened yeah. in week one. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. One of the things that I thought made that score not truly indicative of what it was, when you get an onside kick, you just don't bank on that. When that's a factor in a game, and yes, they got an onside kick to get the ball back to be able to get to one score. They, they uh, at least the local uh, Fox affiliate, went to that game after the game was over and done with, so you did get a chance to look at it. The Lions dominated that game. The, the, the 49ers dominated the Lions in that game. Yeah, the final score might not be indicative. Had they got that second onside kick, it could have really actually been pretty damn interesting. They didn't. Uh, I think the 49ers established what they wanted and needed to establish in this first game. Uh, quickly return to the offense, BLG. Uh, we talked about uh, Kenny Gainwell. Will he be there two minutes back for the entire season? If you believe everything you saw in game number one, does that mean Boston Scott's not going to get a touch this year? He did not uh, factor into the running game at all, played special teams, but nary a uh, spot snap in the backfield on the running game. Anomaly, these two guys are going to be Sanders and Gamewell, the guys going forward, and a guy like Boston Scott doesn't get on the field unless there's some kind of an injury. Oh, you got to break him out for the uh, New York Giants, New York Jets game. <laughs> That's true. As we know, yeah. Boston Scott's a New York killer. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to go the whole season with zero touches. Obviously, even if even if Sanders and Gainwell 
managed to stay healthy the whole time, which is obviously not a given. Uh, I think he, Boston's got a good summer. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't get any touches. I don't think it's going to be a ton. I don't think he's going to have a big part of the offense, but I can't imagine he goes the entire season, you know, just being phased out of the offense entirely. Uh, it just, it'd be weird. It'd be very weird to me. Again, we had him, saw him had a good summer. Um, obviously, his skill set, I think, is a little redundant with what Kenny Gainwell does, but I think he still has some value and can, can be added here. I think, I think it might have been somewhat of a game plan thing. Um, I don't think he's totally just irrelevant here. Now, Nick always talks about uh, joint practices over the summer, Brandon, made a big deal out of them, obviously put more weight on them than the actual preseason games. Um, one guy who flashed uh, throughout the summer was probably the best player in the game, and that was Javon Hargrave. Is he ready to have that breakout year where he becomes that Pro Bowl-type player? Is that more of a Jalen Mayfield rookie left guard type thing? probably comfortably in the middle or, or is Javon that good? I think Javon's that good. I mean, obviously the Falcons offensive interior uh, being weak helped him, but I mean, he dominated all game finally kind of showed up there at the end in terms of the stat sheet. Uh, you know, you're talking about three quarterback hits, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Uh, this guy, as you said, John, you know, we saw it. he was killing it in practice regularly he's living in the backfield here he has two sacks his career high i believe is 6.5 i mean especially with the 17th game i think he's going to eclipse that number i think it's going to be a career year for him i don't know if we're talking double digits but i mean i mean at this rate it could be uh i mean i think he's going to have a really really big year i think uh it took a year but that is obviously looking like a really uh crucial and big signing for them he's, he's a difference maker honestly on the inside there he not just in terms of um, you know him creating pressure himself, but also you know taking pressure off of other guys. I think you know we saw Javon or uh, Hassan Ridgeway you know benefit a little bit from mm-hmm. from that, and you know all those guys just playing next to each other and kind of feeding off of each other and taking advantage when the other player gets double teamed or there's extra attention. So yeah, I think Javon Hargrave is in line for a really big year. I felt that way going into the season, and Week One only confirmed that for me. BLG, so it's on your site. Um... Uh-oh. I guess Jalen Hurts has the blessing of Donovan McNabb, eh? <laughs> On an Odyssey outlet, Donovan singing the praises of the Eagles' second-year quarterback. He can be a bit of a tough grader, ask Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah. If he doesn't line up with uh, what you're attempting to do, he's not afraid to say. Good news that uh, Donovan's in the Jalen Hurts camp? I think a lot of people might think of you know Donovan McNabb saying something and not feeling great about it, but hey. I mean, like you said, Donovan kind of right about Carson Wentz. Also, I believe he was famously not really buying into RG3 early on in RG3's career when he was really good. So, uh, yeah, I think you kind of have to to, to <laughs> look at this and be like, okay, maybe Donovan knows what he's talking about, knows what he's seeing. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's a big deal. You know, you're talking about one of the best Eagles quarterbacks, in fran- if not the best in franchise history. Yeah, I think it's it's good. It's good to have that endorsement. All right, last one from me, Brandon, like RVD, BLG, is a Birds 365 Hall of Famer. But um, I want to end it with the punter. The punter was great. (laughs) He was phenomenal. Nobody talks about it. Why isn't Pro Football Focus giving Aaron Seapos love, Jody? (laughs) That guy was tremendous. He had his first three punts were inside the twenty. Um, and his net was phenomenal. They, the one that wasn't was 54 yards, and I think it went down to the 24. 
He had the Falcons, who were inept, staring at long fields. They couldn't do anything with. Aaron Seapost, let's give him some love. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. I'm going to take a little bit of credit for this one, just from the not from the fact. I mean, obviously, the Eagles deserve the real credit. They signed him. But when they did sign him, I remember doing my research on him and being like, and this is, mind you, this is at the time when they signed him. They still had Cam Johnston on the roster. You know, he's going to be a free agent. But I think, you know, we thought they might yeah. just re-sign him because he wasn't necessarily going to get interest. He did. And I think that was a good thing for the Eagles because I think they upgraded. I think Sipos, he was in a battle last offseason. I know this is yeah, like way too much time. Jack for Fox, no. Phenomenal punter, Jack Fox. Ex- exactly. Yeah, so he lost out to like the best punter in the NFL, and then the Lions yeah. still kept him on their practice squad. So they still liked what they saw in him. So I think it was a really – so to kind of make this kind of more relevant and just about the punter, I want to give credit here to Brandon Brown. You know, formerly his title was like Eagles Pro Scouting Director, and now I think it's just like Eagles Scouting Director. They kind of generalized it, whatever. But I think one thing for as many personnel moves the Eagles always haven't done a good job with, especially the draft, or at least at least until recently, one thing they've been good at is these pro personnel pickups, and I think that was a really good one in this case. All right, last thing for me, uh, BLG, and as always, uh, thanks much for hopping on. Make sure you hop on Bleeding Green Nation today and get his post-game stuff, uh, a lot of different angles for Eagle fans to check out. Uh, I'm pretty sure I asked you this before, that when and you don't get the chance this year and you didn't last year, but you did previously, when you and Jordan Mailata are standing next to each other, <laughs> eye to eye, who is actually the taller of the two, I'm wondering if when you get the chance to do that next again, will Jordan Mailata's new payday and pay status actually be the difference? If you add him by an inch, is he going to be an inch taller than you going forward now? No, I don't think so. I'm six foot nine. He's six foot eight. There uh, you go. Not going to happen. Go. Doesn't if matter he, how it, much it, money he makes. He's not going to be bigger if than If he BLD. stands on his wallet, he'll get an extra two inches. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, there stand, you have it. Stay on a big pile of cash. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Brandon, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you much for coming on. Good stuff. Uh, we'll get you back on soon enough, buddy. Thanks, guys. That is Brendan Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, all six foot nine of them. He's one big dude and does a good job covering the birds. That's what we're doing here on Birds 365. We'll come back. Got more Eagle stuff to sink our teeth into in hour number two. Speaking of big guys, not quite Jordan Mylotta big, but pretty big in his own right. Uh, our buddy Brendan Works is going to hop aboard with us uh, here on uh, Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. It's a Tuesday get-together here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen and me, Jody McDonald. Hang with you. Thanks for having me. Gout and Frop on the board. Don't forget, Friday, they're on the channel, folks. Your chance to win Philadelphia Eagles season tickets. That's right. You head right down to the game on Sunday versus the 49ers because you got tickets for all eight home games this year. But you've got to be watching. You've got to be registered. You've got to be a... Uh, Jacob Media YouTube user, if you want a chance to win Eagle tickets for all eight home games this year, and all of a sudden, Mac Man, that looks like a bit of a prize uh, with the way they played week yeah. number one. Well, I think it was a big of a prize. It was a big prize no matter what. But yeah, now that the hype has reached a fevered pitch, you better get on that uh, YouTube channel, Jacob Media, and subscribe. Hit the sh- subscribe button. It's so easy to do, Jody. But don't call anybody an idiot today. I want to. Hey, can I go did back? I call, to, did I call people an idiot yesterday who didn't subscribe? No, last week. I, oh, it was, was it last week? Yeah. Last uh, let week. me let me see if I can recreate it. If you don't subscribe, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a stone cold idiot if you don't subscribe because it costs you zippity doo and you yeah. could win eagle tickets for the entire year. Don't be a dope. Yeah, it is dopey. Just do it. <laughs> I, I, but we were talking about my Lada and and BLG, and I, I it reminded me of last week because I think it was the first time Shane Steichen showed per, his personality because he's kind of an understated guy. You've probably seen his press conferences; keeps everything close to the best. And you got to ask if Jordan reminded him of anyone. And you, you see the transcript. I, I, 
I pulled it up because no, he's the biggest human being I've ever seen. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it doesn't come across. You had to see it at the time. It, you know, it was it, it it was both true and it was you know him showing off his personality. But I mean, yeah, Jordan Mylot is just uh, he is just a massive, massive human being. And I felt bad for that safety on that kickout block uh, on the yeah. Jalen Rager touchdown. Oof. But we'll we'll talk about that with Barrett. But I mean that's why people and you had the double block with Jason Kelsey down the field on the one run by Miles Sanders. That's like a trademark of Kelsey. He's so athletic. He gets in the open field, gets in front, and he gets two blocks. He gets a one, then he goes to the to the next guy. He's been doing that for years. But man, that offensive line is we've been talking about when everybody else said this team was going to be terrible from a national perspective. You and I, I'm going to say we were the first ones that said, no, nah, they're going to be better than you expect because of the offensive line and the, the defensive line. I mean, they're top five on both. You're going to win some games when you're that good up front. And a key, of course, and we know this full well from last year, is staying healthy. And yesterday, I know, small sample, one game out of 17 the offensive line took 100% of the snaps. Not one yep. player out for one play. They took every single snap. Uh, and if they get that kind of health again this year, yes, they're going to be a much improved team. A lot of reasons they're going to be improved. But it does, for me, start hey, right and, there on and, the offensive and line. Jody, by the way, did you see who tapped out in Chicago during the game? Oh, I could. <laughs> I laughed. When I was watching the game and they mentioned it on the game, I just laughed that Jason Peters was leaving the game of his own volition. Uh, sorry, Bears fans, you should not be surprised. If anyone had asked ahead of time, we would have told you. Yeah, you, you might get some snaps out of Jason Peters, but at some point, yeah, he's going to tap out and be a non-factor. Um, Want to stay on the offensive side of the ball with John and uh, double down on what we talked about with BLG. Um I thought Miles Sanders was very good on Sunday. Uh, not that uh, Kenneth Gainwell wasn't, uh, and yes, he did score a touchdown. I'm sure you've seen the stat on Earth, the stat by now with uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager and Kenny Gainwell all scoring. All of them 22 years of age or younger. Hasn't happened with the Eagles since 2009 when Deshaun Watson, Shady McCoy, and Jeremy Macklin why did I think Macklin was older than Deshaun? Maybe because his career ended so much earlier than Deshaun's did. I did not realize those guys were the same age of, of 22. Um, but that's the last time the Eagles had three players 22 years of age or younger score a touchdown in a game. I, I almost feel like I'm knocking Kenny Gainwell here, and I don't mean to do that, but I'm not going to read too much into the fact that in that uh, two-minute drill, Gainwell was on the field, uh, and Miles Sanders was not. I still think Miles Sanders is the guy who can break big plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Gainwell is a nice option to have and a change of pace, uh, but I still think that uh, when when if we're the Eagles didn't face a two-minute drill at the end of the game, game wasn't on the line at the end of the game. They were playing from ahead, and they decided to go with Gainwell. I'm not reading into the fact that this uh, offensive coaching staff has brought so much into Gainwell that he is, uh, in their minds, 
ahead of Miles Sanders in key spots like two-minute offense. Oh, you can read into it, Jody. I, I mean, he can play his way off the field. That's one of the things I asked Nick after the game as well. Um, and he talked a little bit about it yesterday again. Um, I said, at what point did you feel comfortable? And again, he pointed to practice. Those Jets joined practices where I think they were testing it out. I mentioned it on the show before, and they saw what they wanted to see. He clarified that was pass protection. If he could pass protect, he was going to be on the field. So if he can't pass protect, that'll open the door for somebody who can pass protect. And if that's Miles, it's Miles Sanders. Um, but they want him on the field in those situations. And to his credit, you know, Miles Sanders admitted, look, he's he's the better receiver. He's a natural receiver. Um, he's that type of guy. And if you look at, you know, uh, Eckler and, and with the Chargers and you look at uh, Hines with, with the Colts, they want that type of presence in, in the offense. It's not necessarily a shot at Miles Sanders. It's just that this guy is a natural receiver. He tracks the football well. He can split out. He can catch it like a receiver, uh, whereas Miles has a little bit of trouble. Miles can be very effective on screens and things like that when you set it up and you saw the one screen in the game. That's sort of like his wheelhouse. But when you're in two-minute and when you're in hurry-up, you need guys running routes. And it, that's not only catching the football. That's the sharpness of the route that's being in the right spot. That's something Miles had trouble with. Uh, last year as the whole offense went off the rails. Um, so, they, yeah, they want Kenny, Gen Kenny Gainwell to be in that role. That's his role. Now, can he play himself out of that role as a rookie? Sure. But that's, that's what they want. That's what they envision. Oh, by the way, I'll just point this out. Um, the actual results of the game, Miles Sanders was targeted five times, made four catches for 39 yards. Kenny Gamewell was targeted three times for two catches for six yards. So if we're looking purely at production, the more productive receiver coming out of the backfield in Sunday's game was Miles Sanders. Well, yeah, but also look at the game. Again, the context is everything, Jody. They're winning 32 to 6. They're not in a lot of high leverage situations. For instance, if you're losing in the second half of the game, and you got to have the pass receiver on the backfield, those numbers are going to flip. You might even lose the game. It might not <laughs> – but the numbers are going to flip. The point The point is the role, the role. And you saw Miles' role. Miles' role was in the regular offense, and, and he had a much bigger role. He's on the field more, and he will be on the field much more because he's he's got a much bigger role. But that's Kenny's role in this offense is going to be the two-minute stuff. It's going to be if they're behind, if they need to score, if they need two scores late in the game and there's eight minutes left, they're going to, they're going to put Kenny Gainwell on the field uh, if it's going to be pass, 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 pass. And we'll see how – that's not to say he's going to be on there 100% of the time. That's a big, you know, Nick Sirianni thing. He doesn't – want to tip off things. He doesn't want to do, as I mentioned with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he's going to get his opportunities. But Kenny Gainwell is going to is going to be the big part of those particular packages. 
We'll see how it shakes out. I was, hey, uh, I'm impressed. They did what they did. They scored 32 points. Uh, how many times did the Eagles score 30 points last year, John? Zero. That would be zippity do that, along with the Jets, the only two teams in the league that didn't have a 30 point game. Well, Eagles put that one in their rearview mirror in week number one, which we're giving lots of credit for. But uh, I, one of the things that I was impressed with, the Eagles and Nick Sirianni in particular, was the fact that he was. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details was somewhat unpredictable game number one and i think the way that they used uh kenny game well will be something that will be fluid and can change shoot he got nine carries which is more than i thought he was going to get week number one and that worked out well but uh, again um i got a slight uh well we'll see if it plays itself out that uh if it's a High leverage situation that Kenny Gainwell is going to be on the field. Miles Sanders is going to be off. I, I don't know that that's the case, and I hope that that's not the case going forward. Um, the, the other thing that Jalen Hurts did so well was he did spread the ball out. Uh, Smith, Rager, Guard, Sanders, Ertz, uh, Quez, and Gainwell all uh, catching the ball. That's a pretty good spread. Um, and we wondered about what Quez Watson's role was going to be stepping into the starting lineup at number three. Um, they threw the ball to him. Was it three consecutive plays? I know it's all in one series. Yeah, was he, was the, he, was, plays? he was the Calvin Ridley of the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But the, And it was three straight. Then later in the game, they threw it four straight times to Devontae at one point. Um, it... it uh, but in the difference, if you, the dichotomy of, you know, Quez is supposed to be the third receiver on the Eagles. He's the role player. You're trying to script something early to get some confidence for, for the quarterback. As we mentioned, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside started the game uh, because they wanted his blocking on the field for that bubble screen. Um whereas Calvin Ridley, Ridley is supposed to be the guy for the Falcons. So that's the difference. Like Nick Sirianni didn't forget about Quest Watkins necessarily. It was just something they wanted to do early in the game, uh, whereas the Falcons forgot about their best offensive player. So that's, you know, that's, that's not good. And one thing I've been waiting for you to say, um, because I know you're a fan of the, Eagles former defensive coordinator, uh, one of the knocks on Jim Schwartz and guilty as charged, uh, me and a whole lot of other Eagle fans from time to time would wonder aloud about Jim Schwartz, was the fact that he had his defensive stalwarts and beliefs and he didn't vary from them much. One of which was, <laughs> I got four defensive linemen and I expect them to get to the quarterback and I'm going to keep the other players oh, yeah. that I have so, on the well, field. If you want to nitpick, but how do you nitpick? Uh, not, I'm not going to. I'm just pointing out that uh, when Jim Schwartz was uh, told he was no longer needed for the Philadelphia Eagles, they were going to the new defense corner. Uh, Mr. JG comes in and people start to get excited because guys like John McMullen are almost guaranteeing that someday he's going to be a head coach 
in the National Football League, uh, and he, he does a nice job talking his defense up. He came in and played a defense that looked a lot like <laughs> Coach Schwartz's yeah, defense. Yeah, did he? Four guys all day. Sure. Did I did not track this. Did they blitz more than maybe once the entire game, John? Did they bring an extra yeah, they, guy? They, uh, I, I do have the numbers. Let me let me pull them up real quick. Very uh, infrequently. Yeah. Very infrequently. Tremendously. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, but this is um, – so, okay. The – the Steelers uh, blitzed the least uh, on Sunday, 1.8%. Yeah, because that's because they got J.J. Watt and they got Ingram. TJ, they don't need the blitz. T.J., Houston was at 7.7, um, and the Eagles were at 10.3. Um, but if you go to um, – so the top uh, – these six teams blitzed the least on Sunday. The Steelers, the Texans, the Eagles, the Saints, the 49ers, the Broncos. They have all they all have one thing in common, Jody. Six they wins. All, they all won the football. <laughs> I I don't know how many times I can tell people this. They love blitzing. They love Madden because they love to hit the number and they love to see the guy going. If you blitz, you're probably not doing well. If you can get home with four, and the Eagles got home with four. Why the hell are you going to blitz? I, I it, it, you don't blitz just to blitz. So I I do think you know JG will be more willing if they're struggling, if they need to dial something up, he'll blitz. But when he doesn't have to, why would he? Yeah, and those those are th- those are percentages you gave out, right, John? Yeah. Ted? Yes. Um, so, how many defensive snaps were the Eagles on the field? Because yeah, the first couple of possessions, the Falcons were uh, taking them down the field. Seventy, and... seventy-two. So, right about seven times they blitz. Right okay. About... Um, Six or seven. Yeah. I didn't even think it was that many. Uh, to be no. truthful with you, it didn't seem like it to me. Uh, I'd have to go back and break it down and watch the film still and not see. a lot <laughs> all right They're the third least in the national football league uh does tell you plenty um but again i'm trying to remember it as best i can and i don't where did they bring the blitz from there was not one individual i said all right well he's the designated blitz they're coming from the no, linebacker. they're not they're well that definitely they're not going to have a designated blitzer um now that you say it i'll go back and try to find the blitzes but you know, Avery was out there. He probably, I, I assume he probably got one. Even Patrick Johnson was out there a little bit. Maybe those, the Sam linebackers, maybe brought a corner. You didn't pay attention. I don't even know. But um, they, they didn't need to. It didn't, it, it certainly didn't create a splash when they did it. So yeah. it's not going to be noticeable. But I, I think he'll be willing uh, to blitz if, if the Eagles need to blitz, but bottom line is they didn't need to blitz. So um, it's easier to win a football game if you don't have to blitz. That's just that's just a reality, and people can kill Jim Schwartz for it, but now you got a guy you like who's uh, espousing the same thing by his actions, because not because it's the right thing to do, because it's true. If Javon Hargrave is wreaking havoc in the middle of the line, you don't need to blitz. You're just you're just exposing 
something else you don't need to do if you do that. We talked about uh, the debuts of both uh, Coach Sirianni and Arthur Smith of the Falcons. And and I want to give the Eagles proper credit because I think their defense forced their hands. At one point, after the first two possessions, I might have said, well, Arthur Smith is kind of dictating to Jonathan Gannon here. And Gannon, Gannon is doing a good job responding and, and doing what he needs to to keep them out of the end zone. Although the Falcons are very good, even though it's been uh, a different group, a different coaching staff. There's still Matt Ryan. Uh, the inability to score the red zone kind of jumps up like a sore thumb. But after that, it was Gannon dictating to Smith the entire rest of the game. And one of the things I was surprised I got away from, I remember you and I talking last week about Cordell Patterson, that he is someone that you actually do have to take into heavy consideration with his ability to run back kicks. And oh, by the way, because Eagles scored enough, they kicked off a lot. I said, well, I'm not all that worried because I got faith that Elliott is going to kick it through the back of the end zone, which he did. Cordell uh, Patterson was not a major factor on special teams. He was actually pretty impactful from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he got he's... seven carries and made some plays. And then, yeah. again, most of it early, and I get it. When you're trailing, uh, your ability to run the football gets compromised. But I thought they got away from him in the game. I thought there was actually going to be more of Cordell Patterson. It would have been, for me, until you prove you can stop me, I'm going to continue to hand this guy the ball. Yeah, and he did He did take one out from about eight yards deep at one point. And <laughs> the Eagles did a good job on coverage. But it kind of shows you. And I said on the show, oh, he will take it out if yeah. he gets an opportunity. So we tried uh, to press one, and the Eagles did a good job. I always wondered, because that guy, you know, he's so explosive. He came out of college as a wide receiver at Tennessee, um, and he was just a bad route runner. Uh, and he was more a manufactured touch type of player. That's what he is. It's what he's always been. I think it would have been interesting if somebody transitioned him to running back like right away because he's so big and so powerful, and now he's playing running back. And I think he could have been a really, really good running back, and he was just never going to be a good receiver because he just doesn't run routes consistently enough. But they didn't make that transition really till I think Chicago did it. Now he would run out of the backfield in Minnesota early in his career at times because, again, you you would try to get the football in his hands because he was so explosive. Um, but I thought it would have been interesting if that transition would have made earlier. I think he could have been a really good running back. But Arthur Smith was such a – you know, here's here's what I say about Nick Sirianni. The, the word I want to use is purpose. His offense looked like it had a purpose. They were trying to accomplish something on every play. Arthur Smith had no purpose. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Again, after he got off script, it was just a disaster. It was a disaster. And this guy, and this tells you, this league doesn't know what the heck it's doing half the time. Uh, you know, you think it, it, it's sort of like medical questions. You know, we all want to believe, Jody, our doctors know everything, our personal doctors. They're never wrong. Guess what? They're wrong all the time. They're human beings. You know, football teams think, oh, this guy's a coach. He knows what he – some of them don't know what the heck they're doing. 
I got a good indication that Arthur Smith was not ready for this job. And that was the knock everybody was saying about Nick Sirianni. I just think it's so ironic uh, that the guy who was on the back burner, uh, and, and that's what I said, it reminds me of 2016. The afterthought, that's what I said, was better than the anointed. And the anointed was Arthur Smith, and he was a disaster. Right, at least for uh, week one. And while I'm getting on Smith's case that I would have tried to get the ball into Cordell Patterson's hands more than he did, did so early, went away from it. Uh, and you mentioned how if this guy had been designated as a running back earlier in the career, maybe he's had a better career to this point because, let's be honest, he came in as a failed first-round wide receiver. He just wasn't productive enough to merit uh, that first-round status. Um, maybe he's also – and he's got good size. He's certainly tall, but he doesn't oh, look he's, all he's that big, big to me either. Oh, he's a big, really big dude, really powerful. Uh, yeah, would have been a perfect running back. I don't think he's a failed first-round pick, though. I disagree with you. But I have different great. I mean, this guy, as I said, he's the best kick returner I've ever seen. He's had eight touchdowns just as a kick returner. I think he was the 29th, 30th overall pick. If you get a competent player at the 29th, 30th, I don't consider that a failed first-round pick. But that's just my definition. People have dip definite. If you're expecting a star – yeah, he's a failure. He's not a star. Not, 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 a, he's star, a, not a star, but... He's a star kick returner. Well, I, <laughs> please tell me the last time somebody... Uh, Rocket Ismail, the last time somebody picked a kick returner with a first-round pick? No, I agree with... Well, no. They, and by the way, Rocket Ismail was picked out as a wide receiver. He just happened to be a great kick returner. Everybody's trying to get a positional player. I'm just saying, if it works out... And remember, back when he was drafted, kick returners were still valuable. They had not changed the rules. Right. He, he changed games. I saw it first. He changed the actual game. The Eagles lost the game against Minnesota because in, in the Chip Kelly era because he wouldn't kick the football to him. He was scared to death. And they would start every drive at the 45-yard line. They lost a football game. Because of how scared they were of the kick returner. I, I, I but that's you know, if it, it it depends what definition. If, if you're looking for a star, he wasn't a star. He certainly wasn't a star, but he was a competent player. Like like uh guys who Isaiah Wilson, you know, that's a bust. Uh Jeff Gladney, who gets arrested for domestic violence, that's a bust. If Andre Dillard never plays, that's a bust. This guy's played for a long time. I can't consider him a bust. Well, again, we're off on a little bit of a semantic uh, debate. I didn't use the word bust. You used the word bust. I said failed. Well, and I, failed I will, might be worse than bust. I will failed. stand by my statement of he was a failed wide receiver first-round pick. Now, factor in uh, special teams – that's a failed football player. And I don't know that I would call him that because you're right. He's one of the three, four, five best return guys in the National Football League in the last 50 years. But just purely as a first round drafted wide receiver, I would say he's a failed player. Well, yeah, as a wide receiver, he's not a wide receiver. But that's what well, I mean. That, I, he was I, drafted as a wide receiver. So that's why I said, as a failed first round wide receiver, as a draft pick, he was failed. Okay. And as I said, Jody, 
He's not a failure as a football player. And if I'm going to put an F on a football player, I can't put an F on a guy who's been playing for how many years now? I mean, F football players don't stick in the NFL for as long as Cordero Patterson. That's my point, which I think is a more valid point. How's that? I'll, 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 I'll attempt to correct you again with what you just said. I called him a failed wide receiver. You said I wouldn't call him a failed wide receiver, and I think you said you came up with that point because he. Well, wasn't now good. you're you're going the semantic route because I pointed out that a guy who's a failed player isn't going to be in the league for a decade, which is common sense. I How's didn't that? say failed football player. I said failed yeah, wide receiver. And you attempted to correct why me. Why are you I, leaning saying, on semantics? Because you're trying to win an argument. Wide receiver. You're trying to win an argument on semantics. He's not. Is he a failed football player? No. All right. Then you're right. He's a failed receiver. I'm right. He's not a failed football player. Right, but I, I never disagreed with you. You disagreed with me. I said he was a failed wide receiver. And Why you is your obsession about winning an argument about semantics? The guy's a good football player, period. Football End of player, sentence. not wide receiver. What, what, why does that matter? We're talking about football. Why well, does that matter? Because, because you're he, trying was to win. As, he was you're drafted trying as a wide receiver. You're trying to win an argument on Birds 365. It doesn't matter. The guy's been in the NFL for a decade, Jody. For a decade. He's not a failed player. I didn't say That's my only point. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. We've got a non-failed player to join us next. He was a damn good player during his time in the National Football League. Barrett Brooks going to get aboard. Here was on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Oh, you need to stay tuned all day long because not long after he finishes up with us, he's got middle duties right here. He had uh, offensive line duties for the Eagles for years, and when we really need to know how good the Eagle offensive line played, when it was pretty damn good on Sunday, we bring in our guy Barrett Brooks, who hops aboard with us on uh, Birds 365. How much smiling were you doing on Sunday watching your fellow Eagle linemates? Uh, uh, you know. Offensive linemen playing the way they did, Barrett. I, you know, just from the left tackle on, you know, it was just it was just incredible how these guys came together and played the way they played. They could do anything they wanted to do out there on offense because those guys look good, man. And, and I told people the reason why I was so pigheaded on saying this team will win nine games is because they're built well in the trenches. As long as those guys stay healthy in the trenches, there's no limit to what they can do. And it just goes to show, you know, this last week that they played together as a unit and, you know, they were able to do what they wanted to do. You know, Barrett, I kept the offensive line questions away from uh, Brian Lee Gallon. We had him on the first hour because I wanted to get to him with you. Now, there is a little nitpicking you can do in the first half because they did play together and there was a ton of penalties. I mean, they were just throwing flags all over the place. But – you know, some of them were pre-snap penalties, so that you can't blame on the officials even if you wanted to. That stuff's got to be cleaned up. But you're right. When you see Jordan Mailotti get that kick-out block on the Jalen Rager touchdown, the classic Jason Kelsey double block when he gets out in front of Miles Sanders on the running play, this is a five offensive line. If you can block people in this league, nobody knows better than you. You can win a lot of football games. How good can this offensive line be? Could it be even better than that because of the the the, the advancement of Jordan Mailata in his career? No question. I mean, he settled it down. You know, at this point, you know, you had the body guy out there for, for a long time. And Jason Peters, you know, held it down, which made him a top-ranked offensive lineman because nothing like a quarterback understanding that his backside is being protected. You know, he doesn't see ghosts. For a lot of the last, last, um, last year's team, you look at Carson, he had ghosts a lot because he didn't trust the left side. He didn't trust the left tackle. So, you know, it really kind of messed his game up also. But now, I mean, he's solidified in front of him, you know, and, and you know, just like on those plays, this is a very athletic offensive line also. All these guys can get out there and run in space. You have guys that can block at the point of attack and drive. I mean, there were times when they were having double teams in the second half that they were taking the three technique and dumping them on the lap of the linebacker. The linebacker was wrong every single time because he couldn't get on one side or, or, or the other because his 
defensive line was in his lap. He couldn't go anywhere. When you have blocks like that, it makes things a whole lot easier to read. It defines where the run is supposed to go with the running back. It gives you a, a sense of security at the quarterback position because guys, you know, you know where he's going to be at. You know, you know they're going to drive those guys around the corner up the field, and then they're solidifying things up front. You know, there was really no penetration in the second half. There was in the first half because they were bringing blitz. But once they got him out of blitzing because they started hurting him, then they couldn't blitz. Then they had a solid pocket, man. They could, he, was, he could stay back there as long as he wanted to and get the ball down the field. One of the things we debated about plenty before the season got underway, Barrett, was what kind of an offense were the Eagles going to be in? How often were they going to be in 12 offense? Which means two tight ends because they were one of the leaders in the National Football League in that this year. They wanted to get more speed on the field, wanted to be in more three and four wide receiver sets. Well, when your offensive line is as good as their offensive line was, it makes it that much easier to go, yeah, we don't need two tight ends out there. If we want to get the three and four wide receiver sets, we just got confidence in our front five and or if we've got to leave the back end for extra protection, get the job done. I think uh, it opens up all different possibilities for Nick Sirianni going forward with how good they played week one. Absolutely. You know, you're talking about a guy that mastered um, – mastered you know, or I'm sorry, not mass, took control of, of of the personnel packages that he had in there. He understood what he had in there, uh, just like with the tight ends. He was masterful, and when I say masterful, um, Hertz understood where he was supposed to go with the ball. He didn't hold the ball a lot. He got the ball out of his hands. They cut the field in half, only gave him half a field to read. As he advances more into this offense, he'll be able to, you know, screen across the whole field. But it was a great game plan, understanding what they were going to get from, you know, you know this this <clears throat> this Falcons team that wasn't really good on defense. But still, you know, when you have a, a defensive coordinator like that, he could still mix some things up, you know, and kind of confuse your quarterback. Jalen Hurts had command of it. He didn't look, you know, phased at all. He understood where he was supposed to go with the ball. He knew when he needed to run, when he didn't need to run. He understood if they were in man, man um, coverage that he could run and pick up some good yards because everybody would be turned around guarding their men. But even in zone, he saw what he had to do in the read options. He'd pull it. He'd you know, get it out to the receiver. Those are things that you know, he, he looked very, very good in. And it's because his offensive line was helping him out too. This is why I, I like the fact that you know we didn't see as much during the training camp. But he did show us enough in this game to say, all right, we can run anything we want to run with the personnel packages we have. Now, Barrett, you mentioned something interesting there because this has always been, uh, uh, you know, when when NFL teams uh, started to do this, I took notice. And it becomes a problem at some point if you try to cut the field in half. It it becomes uh, unsustainable, or at least it did. We're, we're – it, there's a lot of innovation um, going to more of a college-style offense by a lot of NFL teams. Is that more sustainable now uh, to to cut the field in half, things like that? Well, we, we want to talk about, you know, Jalen Hurts using his skill set. And when they say his skill set, he can move around. He runs well outside of the pocket. You know, he uses athleticism to make plays. Well, when you do that, you kind of have to cut it the field in half because if he's rolling or booting one run direction, he's not going to be able to scan it from from you know the entire field. He's had to go from you know from that hash mark on in because that's where he's going. You know, it's not good to throw across your body. Well, that's what it comes when that's what comes when you have 
um, a quarterback that can move around like that if you want him to move around. You know, you, you, you can't have it all. You know what I mean? It's by, you know, it's, it's not a default in, in the offense in doing that if you can do it well. And they, they seem to can be able to do it well. What really will help him out more so than cutting the field in half is running the ball. Then you could take a shot down the field. This defense didn't allow them to go down the field because they ran so much zone, which, you know, and they kept it too deep or single high, you know, deep. So you couldn't really get, you know, the, the long ball going. But, I mean, he, he had great passes underneath um, on, on the routes that they had, like the dig routes and the crossing routes. He was able to define, get, they was able to get defined even in that zone system because the offensive line gave him so much time to, to get the ball down the field. Barrett, I want to get uh, inside the head of an offensive lineman here. Uh, we know Jalen took off and ran seven times, did so effectively in the game against the Falcons. I brought this up yesterday. One of the things that I was glad to see was more often than not, when he took off, he went toward the sideline. Yes. Because they kind of need him as their quarterback, at least that's my <laughs> opinion. Uh, and he's less apt to get hurt dancing to that sideline and getting out of bounds. When you're an offensive lineman, the quarterback breaks containment. He's turning it up the field. You want to go, but if he's ahead, you got to be careful because if you're blocked, you can get blocking in the back and bring it back. Do you audibly root sideline, sideline, sideline? Because you know it's better for him and it's better for you. Because if he turns it back up the field, that's when the coach is going to look at you and go, Barry, get down there. Get in front of him. Well, you know, it's it's tough because, you know, even on the touchdown they had called back with Lane Johnson down the field, you don't know what he's going to do. And that's that's one of the hardest things with blocking for with a, with a mobile quarterback because you don't know where he's going to be at. You know, blocking for, blocking for you know, Randall Cunningham was far different from blocking for Rodney Pete. You know, Rodney Pete was going to be a stationary um, quarterback. He'll be in the pocket. You never knew where Randall was going to come. So when you're blocking a guy, you may be blocking him into the play, and, and this is where you're supposed to do. You're an offensive tackle. You block a defense in all the way out up the field, you know, 10 yards up the field. And here you see Randall Cunningham going outside where you, I'm like, what is he doing there? See, that's one of the faults that, you know, you, you play with a guy that can move around like that. He has more than Hertz has more than functional mobility. He can get out there and run, you know, and he can go out there and make great decisions out there. But it's really hard on off his line because then you want to, you know, all right, if he's, if he's running down the field, you want to get out there and block for him. But then he's right by the line of scrimmage and he throws the ball down the field. Now you're stuck because you're like five yards down the field. So it's, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it just comes a part of being with a mobile quarterback like that. Yeah, some of that's baked in. You're going to have those illegal man downfield penalties at times, as you point out, Barrett. You know, I, I want to talk about other people's responsibilities in pass protection because you, as an offensive lineman, you guys know. Look, if the quarterback gets sacked, you guys get blamed. A lot of times, it's other people's fault. Sometimes it's the quarterback's fault, um, and it's covered sack, and they don't get the football out. At one point in that game, Devontae Smith kind of showed off his football IQ, you know, calling out cat, 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 because he saw the cornerback blitz. Um, how important is it for other guys to realize what's going on, whether it be somebody like Devontae Smith uh, or the quarterback himself and understanding, okay, blitz is coming. Um, what do I have to do to make sure this pass protection works? I'm glad you told me that, man, because a lot of people don't understand. It's not just the offensive line's fault, um, you know, if they give up a sack or they see a blitz, you know, because in, in protections, you have scat protection, you have, um, 
You have a uh, seven man protection, six man protection. You have five man protection. The protection is allocated on where the mic linebacker is. Wherever the mic is, that's where the protection is set on. Like your slide protection is not the mic that you you have, but it's actually the wheelbacker, which who's who's ever on the outside. If you have man protections, you more so than not you're gonna go with the mic. And if the mic disappears, the office line has them. If he doesn't, then somewhere else comes from. That's not we're not responsible for him. And everybody thinks, oh, you should, you're responsible for it. There was nobody blocking him. You know, this guy was sitting. You know, free. He should have went out there and blocked them. Well, in the protection scheme, it might not be the case. People understand when receivers look at protection, and, and they understand blitz protection. They have to understand it because with them, if one guy disappears, it might be picked up. But if two guys disappear, now they have to run a route in order, you know, to to get back to the quarterback, make eye contact with the quarterback because he becomes the hot read. So there's more so with 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 wide receivers. Two people disappear, they look for the hot, and they got to make a, they got to run a route, you know, in accordance to that. Um, running backs have to make sure they know where the offensive line is going, so they don't try to block their man. They have to be responsible for it too, like slide protection. I said we don't block the mic, we block the wheelbacker, so they have responsibility of the uh, mic backer then and the Sam linebacker, which is you know to the play. So there's so many different ways in which you have to understand. Who has who and where, you know, what hot routes need to be done. And sometimes it's a quarterback's man. Sometimes, you know, if they bring if they bring six and we only have five to block, then he has to understand who's going to be the hot guy. If that six guy comes and he comes into the the A gap and a B gap between the center and the guard, or the guard and the tackle, then the tackle has to come down and get that linebacker. That means he has a big defensive end unblocked coming towards him. He has to know to get the ball out of his hands. And, and, and get it to the receiver or throw it out of bounds or whatever because he is unblocked and there's nobody that can get him. And when everybody looks at it, look at the offensive tackle like, oh, man, he just <laughs> let that guy go. He's got yeah. his quarterback killed. Well, that's not necessarily the case. He was going to this responsibility. He's going to get the, the MDM, most dangerous man. And it's, it's easier for a linebacker that comes through the A-gap to get to the quarterback. That's the shortest way to the quarterback than a defensive end who has to come out, you know, three guys removed. So, you know, people don't – People have to understand that, you know, blitz protection is complicated. Everybody has to be on the same place. The quarterback, the offensive line, receivers, tight ends, and running backs all have to be on the same page to pick up these blitzes. Barrett, let me ask you, well, after you get the phone. There we go. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you talked about uh, whose job it is, whose responsibilities, what does the scheme ask each player to do? Whose responsibility was it to block – Jason Hargrave on Sunday because he didn't do a very good job, whoever he was. He got called on it by the offensive line coach in Atlanta pretty much as soon as the game's over, I'm thinking. Poor little fella, man. You know what I mean? Young guy, rookie, has to go yeah. through the bumps of bruise. He just caught, you know, he, he just caught a guy that had a great camp. And, you know, Hargrave, I, I you know, during post the pregame show, in the pregame show, you give your player the game who you think is going to have most impact in the game. Well, I picked Hargrave to have one and a half sacks. And yeah, there we go. Very nice. And huh. I mean, I knew it because I saw the way he played in camp. I knew they was going to have a rookie over him. And then I just, you know, it, it, it just made perfect sense to me that Hargrave was going to have a phenomenal game because he couldn't be blocked. You know, he's finally got into the system and understanding what his role is in this system. Last year, he was in between two systems. He was still, you know, in that two gap mentality that he had in Pittsburgh. 
Well, he had a whole year now to get out of that mindset, and now he's a one-gap player. It means he only has that one gap he's responsible for, and he can get up the field and, and create penetration. That's that's exactly what he did. You know, he couldn't his, his jump off the ball. He was just on the ball and on the, the offensive guard so fast that the, you know he couldn't react. You know, the young guys like what what is going on? I mean, he couldn't move, man. He was in his in his lap already, and he has the dip and and leverage to just push him back. I mean. I hated to be Matty Ice, you know. He, he, he somebody was in his face from the middle all day, and that's the worst place to to rush a quarterback and and, and give you know give him a problem is in the, in the interior because on the outside you could step up, but when you can't step up from the inside, it's the hardest thing for a quarterback to throw the ball, step to his throws, and that's usually how you get most of your interceptions and stuff when a quarterback can't step into the ball and he has to use just arm strength. That's when you know, things go awry for him. So I knew Harry was going to have a great game, and he and he definitely showed me that he's ready for this one-gap system. Yeah, he did have a great summer as well. I thought he, he, he or Josh Sweat was probably the best defensive player over the summer. want to get a mind-of-the-player question to you, Barrett, because you played a long time. You've been on both sides of this, you know, 32-6 routes, Probably got beat thirty-two-six. Yep. <laughs> uh, similarly, a couple times. What What's harder to deal with? I mean, if you lose, you get back. You work hard. You know you got to do. If you win, everybody's patting you on the back, saying how great you are. Eagles have gone from disaster to Super Bowl contender in record time uh, in certain people's minds. How do you handle that as a player? Is it more difficult for a coach to keep the guys focused after a route? Or after a blowouts, um, after a route when you run somebody, you know you 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 know in cloud line and you know you you think you've already you know you've arrived. It, it's, it's easier from the standpoint of getting back to work and getting back to getting you know focused on on the game plan when you get routed because you got to get better. So it's it's harder for you know especially this this young coaching staff and this is such a young team and they play so many young players, man Johnson, you know. They played a lot of guys, their first and second year guys that, you know, made the roster. They actually played on, on, on Sunday. You know, I couldn't believe it. Gainwell played a lot. All these young guys are out there and they're, you know, they have key roles and they're playing well within these roles. It's going to be harder for to get them focused after a win than it is, you know, after a loss. So you want to get that stench off your off your, your body when you lose. When you win, you know, there's a bunch of people patting you on the back. But, hey, I heard this phrase, you know, one of my producers on in NBC Sports uh, coined this phrase. I've had a naysayers. I have had enough September Super Bowls that I'm not buying into this all the way. <laughs> they still got to show me more. And, and that's exactly what, you know, this week was. It was a September Super Bowl. You know, they, they got to make sure that they understand it. They, they're still a team that, you know, has a lot of work to do, an awful lot of work to do. And uh, let's hope they don't become complacent. You know, I said the same thing about Jordan Malata. Um, you know, he won the starting job. He was that guy. You know, I didn't want him to become complacent. Well, hey, now that you've got the money, that's why you've worked so hard to get the money. Will he become complacent? I doubt it seriously. I hope not. But, you know, these are serious issues that could, you know, show and rear their head if they don't stay, you know, stead, steadfast and, and on that goal of, of being a good team. Yeah, ask that safety from the Falcons who Jordan got on the second level on the regular touchdown. <laughs> he played complacent. Man, that, <laughs> that poor guy. That was I, think a... they're, I think they just scraped him up <laughs> in, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. 
Uh, they just, I mean, he, you know, he, he wrote a check he couldn't cash, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, that, <laughs> it didn't end well for him. All right, Barrett, another uh, uh, sports psychology kind of question. The Eagles come off the 32 6 win. My opinion, the Falcons are going to be a bad football team. I thought they were going to be a bad football team before the first game. After seeing that, I believe they're going to be a bad football team all, all year long. So you got to keep the win in its proper perspective. I think the 49ers are going to be a darn good football team. And again, we now have a week to judge that we didn't prior to. Their offense looked very explosive against a bad Lions team. You always have to remember the opponent's level of talent as well. The Eagles are going to have a tougher task this week. Good thing that it's home, but, and I don't think I uh, mentioned this yet today. Uh, the first week in the NFL, nine road teams won in 16 games. More yeah, road teams was, won than home teams, which you almost never see in a national football league. Wasn't like a bunch of underdogs, too, as a whole? Yeah, a lot of them. Lot underdogs of them. and road teams, which oftentimes go hand in hand, uh, did very well in week number one. San Francisco's got to come here, the whole cross-country thing, one o'clock time zone, all that factor. Oh, they actually in. stayed here. They actually stayed. They're staying here on the East Coast. Oh, they didn't go back at all? No, they didn't go back. They're staying here on the East oh, Coast. Thank you very much for that piece of information. <laughs> um, but how do you prepare for that as a uh, player? Your mindset, okay, yeah, we kicked some ass last week, but now it's going to be a little tougher ass to kick. How do you ratchet it up for a team like San Francisco after beating down a team like Atlanta? Well, you know, you look at what they're about to face. This will be one of the biggest tests um, this offensive line will have. Um, it'll be one of the biggest tests these 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 DBs will face. You know, with with the guys the way they have going on right now. I mean, look at the DBs. That, I mean, the uh, receivers that with Debo Samuel's is playing at a high level right now. He's a jack of all trades kind of player. He's a Jalen Rager type of player. I mean, he does everything for that team. Then you got you know Brandon. Uh, uh, was it Ayuk? Brandon yeah, Ayuk Brandon is playing Ayuk, a high, yeah. high level also. You know, he's a deep threat. He can take the ball down the field. You look at, um, you know, the, the defensive line. They got some players they got to play against, you know. Most notably, uh, a player that, you know, just left the division, but it's probably, you know, he's the highest paid offensive tackle right now in Trent Williams. You look at the, you know, George Kittle. I mean, it, you know, some of one of the best, better um, uh, tight ends in the league. Um, you know, the defense, I mean, especially their defensive line. This offensive line has their work cut out for them. You know, of course, everybody knows about Nick Bosa, and that's going to be the 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 great um you know barometer on where Jordan Malata is playing against you know I uh, love a guy like that Nick guy. Bosa. That's going to be Nick I mean, Bosa. This is I don't this know is if he's healthy. I haven't I haven't seen him play yet mm -hmm. since the injury, but man, as a rookie, um, he unbelievable, was just phenomenal, yes, just phenomenal player. Um, yeah. I, I do want to I want to keep that player because I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan's running scheme because everybody talks about it. So right. I don't know if you saw him yesterday yet, if you delved into it, but you've seen it in the past. What does he do that's so much different than anybody else as far as an offensive lineman goes? Why are they always so effective running the football? Well, they they, they stress your gaps. You know, Shanahan, he learned he learned from his pops and you know, they run yeah. zone. They run zone plays, and when I, I was in camp with them, and the way they they oversimplify the run scheme, it just makes it you know it just makes it so easy for an offensive lineman to block it. They block spaces. They don't block people. They block spaces. So you know the running back will always keep the same course, 
and it, and it's gonna and, and and you know the offensive line will take him to where he needs to be. But they block space. They don't necessarily worry about the guy that's in front of them. The backside they're gonna cut every time they can cut. They're gonna cut, and they're gonna you know force them to 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 overstress different gaps within the offensive line. So now as they're going you know laterally, not blocking a guy, but going laterally. Now that back and cut and stay when he say one step cut. That's all he gets is one step cut, and he's going downhill. And that's what makes them so good because they understand the relationship between space and where a player is supposed to be and how you could stress a gap with from the linebacker and offensive line just by displacing them so far when they're running these zone schemes. But you have to have a stud tight end also, and they have that you know, in, in, in George Kittle. So that's what makes them so good. They're blocking spaces, and they understand how to stress gaps by you know building bigger spaces that these guys have to fill, and that's what makes them so successful, man. You know they they've been doing it for years, and I love. I mean, I love that system. When I was there, they just cut me, so I didn't like them too much, man. But I mean, <laughs> it was, it's a great system if you understand conceptually where you're supposed to be and why you need to get where you need to get, so it stresses the defense and their gaps get um, bigger, and now they have a bigger space that they have to cover. So Barry. real quick follow up, sorry, Jody, because yeah. I want to. This is interesting to me. Uh, why why do more teams not follow? Because as you mentioned, this goes back to Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibson. Why don't more teams – why aren't they more capable of teaching it, of copying? Well, because you have to have offensive linemen that, that, that understand, number one, what they're supposed to do. Number two, they have to be athletically enough to, to, to be able to do that. You know, they have smaller guys. You know, I mean, Trent Williams is probably their biggest player, but everybody else are smaller you know, and 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 not big offensive linemen. They're smaller offensive linemen, though. So you'll be great in a run, but you don't necessarily have, you know, the bigger players to stop the pass rush. You know, it's a give and take type of system. You know, you have smaller offensive linemen. If you look at their linemen, they're a lot of their line are smaller than most offensive linemen, simply because, you know, you have to be able to be very athletic. Now the Eagles can run the same scheme because they have athletic guys that can run a little bit, you know. I, I, I would venture to say, like, even Brooksy might be a little too big uh, to be in their type of system. But you have to have smaller guys in order to do that. And then that's, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's a hard system to run. Until you get those guys that fit that type of system, it's hard for you to go ahead and do it. Trent Williams is just, just a, a great yeah, well, athlete, a, yeah, a great player. So he can run any system. But yeah. you have to have guys that fit within the mold of, of, of you know, a, a um, Shanahan type of system. Barrett, know that at least my perception of it with fans out there, that fans look at offensive linemen as guys whose job it is to protect the quarterback, first and foremost. Almost as important as opening up holes for running backs, you've got to make the whole offense go, and you're getting it done for several different people, um, and running back is a big part of that. Week one, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, only two used. How did you see them? I know as an offensive lineman, former offensive lineman, you're judging them, making the right cut, going the right way, using their blocks correctly. Did they, how uh, impressed, what kind of grade would you give the Eagles two running backs from Sunday? I have to give them an A, you know, and not even because of what they did in the run. You know, of course, I love what they did in the run. In fact, you look at the second half, they literally, you know, uh, the Eagles offense literally went underneath center and handed the ball out traditionally, not from pistol, not from, you know, from shotgun, they went underneath center and handed off to the running back. And you love that in an offensive lineman because now you can go in double team. And they weren't even getting off on double teams. They were taking these double teams and put them in the lap of the linebacker. So the linebacker was 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 wrong either way he went because they had so much 
um, drive off the ball that, you know, he any decision he made was going to be wrong. They were already into the line of scrimmage. I love that aspect. But what I saw from Gainwell and, 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 and what I saw from, you know, Miles Sanders, which made me smile, man, was the fact that they blitz pickup was great, man. It was impeccable. You know, both guys were able to stop blitzes. They went up there, fitted in, and 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 you know you don't usually have that with smaller backs, and these two are smaller backs, but they were able to go up there, hit safeties, keep them off um, J- um off Jalen Hurts, and you know I was very surprised and very proud to say, man, those guys look pretty good out there. You know, even with you know I would have thought they wouldn't have Howard. They didn't even dress them because they had all they had all the confidence in the world for both of those guys that for, for blitz pickup and. I was surprised, you know, but they did a great job of that, you know. So when you have running backs that can blitz pick up and they have the ability to be elusive and run like that, I mean, that's a great tandem that you have. But to only dress two two running backs, I, I don't know if I'd have did that. <laughs> All right. Well, last one from me, Barrett. Where were you Saturday? Where are you going to be this Saturday? Well, I was in uh, West Virginia. I did the West Virginia game. They played against Long Island. They beat up on them guys pretty good, 66-9. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad, man. You know, who, who, did, who did West Virginia play? Long Island, yeah, Long Island University. The I Sharks. don't even know. They, Liu they, has got a Division One football yeah. team now. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. know they had a Division One football team. They've been a Division One for three years now, oh, and, wow. and, and it looked like it too. But yeah, I tell you what, they were a lot tougher than people gave them credit for. In fact, they held um, West Virginia from from you know really wanting to dominate the way they wanted to dominate. You know, everybody thought the, it should have been – it should have been 80 to nothing. But those guys from LIU, they, they on their defensive line, they played on the other side of the line of scrimmage. They they actually um, whipped their office um, – West Virginia's offensive line. I mean, they couldn't run the ball on them. Their best back had like negative one yards going into halftime. Yeah. So, you know, that, that coach was mad. You know, so it was a teaching point for West Virginia, even though they still won. I mean, even the open kickoff, they ran back for a touchdown. So I knew what type of day it was. It was a lot of talking about my NFL career and, you know, what I did in college, you know, <laughs> a lot of that towards the end of the game. But, yeah, man, it was tough, man. Um, yeah. This week I have Kansas State, Nevada at Kansas All State. Right. And also, there we go. Well, Nevada right we now. Know, we know both of those teams. Right. And now teams. Nevada's like a three-point favorite going into Manhattan. So it's my old alma mater. I'm going in there doing my first game there at, at Kansas State. It's going to be a really good game. Uh, Nevada's favorite to going into the game. They have a really good, um, really good offense. Their defense are, you know, also. And then, you know, we have um, the local kid Howard is now starting again for Kansas State. You know, he's a local kid from around here. So we'll have see. They honored you yet? No, or, they were not. They were not. They me. Gotta, come on. Well, I mean, they they were just ready for me to get out of there. <laughs> now, I'm going back. now, Barrett, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're already doing your prep, Nevada's Carson Strong, right? The yeah. quarterback. Yes, Carson yeah. Strong. He, he's definitely a talent. He'll be he'll be a he'll be drafting the first two rounds this year. Yeah, well, I, big I kid too, six five. Yeah, Carson Strong's I, pretty good. I think he's going to be a first round. The back. NFL draft. You got to get in the Kansas State Ring of Honor. Do they have a ring? We got to get you in there. Man. Yeah, they do, man. And 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 I've been voted. Um, I've been voted. I've come close a couple of years, but you know, when I first got to Kansas State, Kansas State wasn't cool. But then we started, you know, throwing out NFL players. Now it's hard for me to get in there. You know, they got <laughs> T. Newsome, you got Darren Sproles, you know, you got yeah. guys like that, man. They're all in front of me, so I got to wait my turn now. Yeah. Even though I came before them, I still got to wait my turn after those two. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see if we can twist some arms. All right, last one for me, and this one is absolutely off the record. Okay, all right. <laughs> Even though everybody may be looking. Um, you're in studio. 
I know Ray Diddy, Ray Dinger. He's a note taker. He stays on top of things. He writes stuff down. I know Barkin. He's a yapper. He's talking. He's making comments. He's talking <laughs> to everybody. How does Seth, what's Seth's decorum while you're watching the game in studio prior to getting into the Eagle pre, uh, post-game show? Well, you know, I think they do that. I think NBC does this on purpose. But they put us on opposite sides of the, of the, of the office while we're watching the game. <laughs> so me and him could be yelling at each other, you know, yelling, <laughs> yelling stuff back and forth to each other. Hey, man, did you see that right there? Yeah, I saw that. And then, you know, almost like osmosis, everybody else in the in the room, they hear what we say. Now they sound there like, you know, know. That's you know, actually a brilliant idea. Exactly. Yeah. So now the producers understand what we're going to talk about when we go into uh, when we go on stage, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a great concept. But, yeah, that's what it is. Because I'm yelling. I'm yelling at him. And he's yelling back over to me about what's going on in the game. So. It works out pretty good. Then you have the, you know, the Hall of Famer. He's charting everything, writing everything down. I mean, it, you know, it's a nice little mix in there. As uh, you guys do the job every single week after the Eagle game. A lot of smiles this week. Barrett, yeah. thanks for smiling to us today. We'll work on getting you into that Kansas State. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lobby for that. Appreciate, <laughs> appreciate it, guys. <laughs> we'll work on it for you. That is Barrett Brooks from the middle. You'll catch him later on today here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. you catch him on NBC Sports Philly as well. Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald coming back, putting a bow on the show next on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yeah, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Welcome back, guys. John McMillan, McConnell, here with John Burke, 365. Uh, one note to our loyal sponsors. Uh, I don't know about you, J-Mac, but I like the little ocean over our shoulders now. Yeah. I kind of get that? used to the red bricks. I, uh, yeah. But I my like red shirt change. looks better here in, yeah, in front of the it. blue ocean than it did uh, the red bricks. So, I got to uh, get more sun. But quick, quick bookkeeping note. I want to sneak this in. Okay. Um Field Yates, got to give credit to him for ESPN. On Saturday, the Eagles converted uh, 13.925 million of Fletcher Cox's base salary into a signing bonus, creating about just over 11 million in cap space. So more maneuvering, an example of salary caps really overrated. (laughs) They just get Fletcher's money up front, essentially, and they create a bunch of cap space. So the Eagles are all of a sudden, you're coming off a week one win, but you start thinking about 2022. If you found your quarterback and Carson Wentz continues to play, doesn't matter if he wins or loses, just plays in Indianapolis, and you have three first-round pick, and all this cap space, things are looking sunny on the beach, Jody. Understood, and it'll be interesting to see if they use that cap space that they created for this year in either doing contract right. extensions. You know, they got the Milad Award done. And Josh Sweat was pretty damn impressive the other day. He's Josh the Sweat. guy I'd be looking to do if I were Howie Roseman buying into uh, going forward with a guy or just cap space. And they still want to get Dallas Goddard done. And by the way, remember, if they don't have to trade for Deshaun Watson, you know, all of a sudden, they're getting Dallas Goddard done. Um, and they have a quarterback. That makes things so much easier. So, a lot of positivity after week one. Understood. Which is not my wheelhouse, usually. Well, one of the things I wanted to be positive about was one of our sponsors, in, a, uh, in addition to our new sponsors that you see behind us, uh, the stateside vodka people. Uh, I am very willing and able to be a uh, participant in tasting. Yeah. If you I want wanna. my free glass. I, if you want to send free. out a bottle with the great rocks glass, I would absolutely love to have a little t- after an Eagle game. Now I work on Sunday, so I can't do it on Sunday. John can't do it on Sunday. John can't ever do it because he's got to work after the game. But we do have a Monday night game. I can game sneak coming. one in, Chubby. I can okay. sneak one. I can handle one. We do have a Monday night game coming up against the Cowboys, and I'd temper it enough that I'd be up in the morning to do Bird 65. If we have to wait all the way to that Thursday showdown against uh, that Tampa team with the Brady guy, uh, that would be acceptable too. But if they want to make some stateside vodka available to one of their Bird's 365 hosts, I would be more than no, willing. Two. Don't leave me out of this, Jody. I didn't, I didn't know if you were a vodka guy. If uh, Yes, uh, feel free to send both of your Bird's 365 guys a little sample of the 
great stateside vodka if they're so moved to do so at this point. All right, last thing, J-Mac, um, what do you got uh, zooming your life away today? Jonathan Gannon, uh, after his impressive uh, debut, Shane Steichen, and I imagine Michael Clay. It's coordinator day, but we'll see. It'll definitely be Gannon, and we'll get at least one of the other coordinators. Coordinator day. Yeah, so that's something we'll be talking about right here tomorrow. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks to Barrett and uh, BLG popping on board. Be back with us in 22 here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hey everybody, this is Krause of the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for watching this video. And before we do anything else, make sure you watch, like, and subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel and leave a comment below that you are subscribed. This video is all about our big 2021 season ticket holder giveaway. That's right. We're giving away a pair of Eagle season tickets for the entire season You'll go to all eight games at the link. Now, here are the rules. Remember, first, like, share, and subscribe. Let us know below that you have subscribed to the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You must follow all of the rules leading up to our giveaway, which will take place on Friday, September 17th. More on that in a moment. You must confirm in the description of this video that you are subscribed. And on Friday night, September 17th, starting at 7 p.m., when we'll do a live broadcast right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you must be present on that Friday night. Again, a pair of Eagle season tickets for the 2021 season. You're going to absolutely, absolutely love it. Why is Jacob Media giving away a pair of Eagle season tickets on behalf of all of our subscribers, our new subscribers, and those subscribers who have been with us from the very beginning. This is our way of saying thank you. But wait, there's more. Thursday night on September 16th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Screwballs in King of Prussia, so if you're from the Philadelphia region, get the Screwballs in King of Prussia. Five pairs of opening tickets for the game against San Fr- uh, the game against San Francisco. Eagles jerseys, giveaways, bus trip details, all kinds of great stuff coming out. And oh, by the way, we're going to begin registering for our trip to Las Vegas when the Eagles go in to Vegas to play the Raiders. All of this compliments and courtesy of Jacob Media Sports. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.